Kia ora. Welcome to 168 Days of Magic. This is the podcast that invites you to empower your creative spirit and get stuck into a project that nourishes, nurtures and excites you. Each episode, we'll be looking at how mindfulness, productivity and creativity all come together to give you the power, stamina and resilience to bring something new into the world. My name's Jordan Harcourt-Hughes and I'm an artist living on New Zealand's stunning Kapiti Coast, which is just an hour north of Wellington. I'll be your host and creative champion on this journey and I'll also be introducing you to some other wonderful people along the way, including some of our other local artists, wellbeing practitioners and life coaches to help us on our journey. Well, it's great to have you with me for another episode of the podcast today. We've got a jam-packed episode. I've got two guests to get us inspired and thinking. On the productivity front, I'm chatting with business coach Heather Hutchings. And on the mindfulness front, I'll be talking about how we can explore the practice of non-judgment when it comes to looking at our own work. And I'll also be chatting with Kapiti Coast artist Diane Connell. So if you've been listening to the last couple of episodes, you'll know that I've been taking a few moments at the beginning of an episode to reflect on why creative projects are so good for us. And today I just wanted to take a minute to reflect on this idea that actually creative projects really help us hone and develop transferable skill sets that we can take into different parts of our life. If you think about all of the skills that we use when bringing a creative project to life, from creative conceptualization, collaboration, problem solving, research, learning how to ask good questions, both of ourselves and other people, working from gut instinct, building trust in our own ideas and our ability to bring them to life, perseverance, project management. These are great skills to have and you can apply them in so many different areas uh, of your life at work, at home. It's endless in terms of the context that you can apply these amazing skills in. Creative projects really do have the ability to leave us feeling empowered, to be more knowledgeable, uh, have more self-confidence and really to be equipped with the ability to see something through to the very end through embracing curiosity, engaging with ideas, deepening knowledge, building resilience and capability and gaining wisdom along the way. So what's not to love about all of that? Creative projects really do help us develop life skills that we can use in other ways. So my first chat today is with business coach Heather Hutchings. Heather's mission is to transform businesses to unleash their power and potential and shift the mindset of business founders, consultants and leaders so they can focus on the solutions that open doors to opportunities and success. Heather, welcome to the podcast. You're a business coach and you support business owners to move from fragile to agile. (laughs) Tell us about that. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, fragile to agile or an Another word is, is chaos to cash. Oh, <laughs> so, that's you know, so most business people get so involved in their business, they get so caught up in the day-to-day that they find that they're fighting fires or they're putting sticking plaster over the, 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 the gaps in the business yeah. and they never get a chance to move forward. So that's what I do. We come in and we look at what's going on and then we start peeling everything back yeah. and from there we just start being very methodical I suppose and just saying we're going to work on this area and we're going to do this for a month and then we concentrate on that and then we can move on to the next sticking plaster gap if you like. (laughs) Lovely. Um, Now you have successfully run businesses in the past. Um, What kind of enterprises were they and what were the best and the worst things about being in business? Yep. So Gary and I have owned a number of businesses together. Gary's owned, I've meddled in the background. We don't work terribly well together. Uh, so we have had a saddlery shop. 
We've run a saddlery shop which was based in Stratford in Taranaki. Gary employed four or five set for saddlers. Um, we've also built circus tents, canvas awnings, circus tents, canvas awnings, um, all of, you know, horse blankets, all of those sorts of things. We sold that when Gary became very tired of doing the same old, same old, and our accountant said to Gary, hey, why don't you go buy this jewellery shop in New Plymouth? So we just said, oh, yeah, we can do that. At the time, I was working for the IND. I had worked, I was the senior auditor for the GST in New Plymouth. Mm. And so we bought the jewellery shop in New Plymouth, and that is when we really started to learn about the business. Mm. So we almost went bankrupt in that business. Mm. Um, the foot traffic moved. They moved the post office away from the shop. And, and of course, when you've got a post office in a, in a little town like New Plymouth, all the foot traffic goes past. It was a really old shop, a huge shop. And the, they moved the post office, so the foot traffic moved, and we were still learning how to run a jewellery shop. Yeah. Um, Gary was fine with it because he was an engineer, and he just said that, and he loves jewellery. He loves, I'm lucky, he loves yeah. gold and pearls um, and diamonds. And so for him, it was like miniature engineering. But the people weren't coming into the shop. So the bank were calling us in and we were in dire straits. So Gary called on a business coach from Australia who was actually a jewellery coach. And that's where, that's where my lover, because I could see how this, this person or Malcolm was starting to work with Gary to help him understand what was going on with the business. And that's when I started to put my ears up going, I love this. Um, and so we literally turned that business around with the help of this business coach. Um, to a, a, a million dollar plus business. Wow. So I was still working for the IED in the GST department. I was helping businesses, um, of course, in the GST department, but then just completely flipped what we were doing. From the jewellery shop, we bought a resort, which was totally different from the jewellery shop, of course, totally different. We had two clients. If you like, we had the owners of the units because most um, resorts and motels are owned by their investment departments. So we had them as our clients, plus our visitors who were coming in. We had 76 units, 24-7 job. It was huge. Mm -hmm. Sold that on probably because I, um, I wanted to come home to New Zealand. My family lived in New Zealand, so I wanted to come home to New Zealand. Um, and Gary then went and he, he decided he didn't want to be in business anymore. So he went and got a job and got sick of that really yeah. soon. So we started, started up another business, which is doing really well. Um, and a, a totally different business to what we've been in before, and that's what he likes about it, because he can build them, grow them, sell them. And I'm, I'm in the background meddling, that's okay too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and on reflection, what are the, the best and the hardest things about running a business? The hardest thing about running a business is that you feel like you're on your own. Mm. You know, um, if you're a solopreneur, if there's just the two of you, if it's a husband and wife business in particular, it's very difficult because it takes over your life. Mm. So you're at work during the day, you get home, you have your meals, and you're still discussing business. Yeah. You know, and that has to stop. I have a cut-off point and say to my clients, five o'clock, mm. you know, or if you're going to have a meeting, you need to have a, a huddle, have a big lunch. Yes. Yeah. So that's one of the hardest mm. being in business. It's, it's like having meetings on your own, getting the same old answers, and you don't know who to turn to. You don't know where to go. The best thing about running a business is, is that when something small that you've been working on really succeeds, yeah. and I love that, yeah. um, the excitement of going, yes, I can do that. Mm. I've got this. I've nailed it. Yeah. Um, and, and, yep, and just the, the, the excitement and, and the meeting of, of different people yeah. is another good thing about being in business, people that you normally probably wouldn't meet. Yeah. And so for me, that's a biggie mm. as well. Lovely. 
Um, now, you're an assessor for the Kapiti Horofenua Business Awards. Yes. yes. Um, now, what does that involve and what do you see in the businesses that get awarded? What, are, what can other businesses mm-hmm. learn from them? Yeah. So the Business Awards now have been going for 26 years in the Kapiti Coast. The, the assessing or the, the judges, they have a, a group of questions that the businesses need to answer and they need to be very clear about what they're saying in there. But what it does is it makes you look at your business differently. Mm. It's something that you probably wouldn't do. You mm. wouldn't sit back and, and look and, and I guess not pull apart, but really dig in, dive deep, peel back the onion lines. And this is what the Business Awards gets you to do. Mm. Um, and so that's, for a lot of people, that's really exciting. The judges and the assessors will come back and they will give you ideas, hints, clues on how you can develop and grow your business. Oh, nice. So a lot of the people who enter their awards will go away, they'll implement all of the, the guidelines and they'll leave it for a year and they'll pop back the following year. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we have one business in Levin who did that three times, still he won the big award. Oh, fantastic. So the businesses who win the big award are very, they're, um, they're very flexible, they, they know where they're going. Mm-hmm. They've done their planning, they've, they've, a lot of them have done five-year, ten-year plans. Mm-hmm. A smaller businesses that are doing, have been winning a, a one-year plan very focused on where they're taking the business, very focused on their purpose, their why, very focused on what they want to achieve, whether it's, you know, we have businesses, people will start up business to sell, so they'll put a a five-year succession plan in place, and that's all they go into business for. Mm. Others go into business for an investment purpose. Mm. So once those businesses who win these awards, they get their heads around what they really want to do and their purpose, their why, then they go get it. There's yeah. no, nothing gets in their way. Yeah. They're very focused. They bring on people who can help them, supporters, it might be social media, it might be accounting. They bring on those people that can help them achieve their goals because you can't do it on your own. Mm. Just can't do it. Yeah, that's actually a lovely thought that it's not just about winning the awards but it's about learning and, and looking and mm. reflecting your business and then taking on the insights that other people can give you and then evolving yes, and then coming yeah. back again and mm. trying again. And it's been it's been willing to do that. You know, A lot of people think that if they... If someone comes in to give them advice or guidance, they they feel like you know they yeah they find that a bit frightening or yeah. they feel like a failure. Yeah. Actually, no, the All Blacks couldn't do what they do without these three or four coaches in the background. Yeah. You know, they do have three or four, and most businesses need about three or four different coaches. Yeah, that's an interesting thought, mm. isn't it? And mm. I, I suspect that a lot of people don't think it, about it that way, mm. that actually it's not just a one person here or there, but mm. it's a, a stable of, of helpers, really, yeah, to it, guide you. It is. And, you know, I, yes, I'm a business coach, but I don't do everything. Mm. You know, I do focus strategy planning. Um, I do action and goal setting. But then if we need someone for social media, then we bring someone in to help it with mm. that. Or, or accounting, we bring people in. Yeah to support those areas that I don't do. And, and, and that's, that's how you get your business growth. Yeah, lovely. Mm. Um, you've been coached. So you mentioned that when you had mm. your jewellery business, you were coached. And you mentioned that that was a great experience for you. How, did you. how did you feel when you were being coached? Were you vulnerable or annoyed? or? At times you can be vulnerable because you think, ah, oh, you know, you're putting yourself out there, you're putting yeah. your feelings and, yeah. and your thoughts out there and someone's coming in and going, well, perhaps is this a better way of doing it? So you're yeah. being challenged as well. Yeah. Uh, it, it never worried me, but I know it does worry other people yeah. because they never feel good enough. Perhaps something's gone on in their background that I don't know about. So we, we really need to understand people. Yeah. So you do can feel a bit vulnerable. You do feel challenged at times. Yeah. Um, you do feel very accountable. Mm. I mean, I've got my own business coach now. She's uh, like everybody else. I, I need coaching and yeah. keeping me on track. Yeah. 
Uh, she's based in LA, and every week we set three goals a week. You know, and, and, and for me, it's a case of I can't do that. I can't do that. Yeah. So the the pressure is it's not pressure, but it just keeps you accountable. Yeah. So. If you're someone like me and you're a big picture person, accountability is really difficult mm. because you'll waffle off in all yeah. sorts of directions. <laughs> if you're very detailed, accountability is also hard because you get into the detail and, yeah. and you forget you know, about all this other stuff over here that we have to do. So being coached is, is but it's also fun because yeah. if you're willing to soak it and learn it and implement it, yeah. you can see the impact and the results. Yeah, lovely. Mm. Um, and if you had one golden tip for businesses, what do you think that would be? Uh, just have fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> businesses, business is so hard, <laughs> and we all get so involved in it. Yeah. Is is sometimes it is about just having fun. Yeah. Sometimes it is just about um, going out there and going, okay, you know, I'll put my hand up. I need help with this. Yeah. Let's get the help that I need. Let me implement it, but let's have fun on the way as well. Yeah. So my, my biggest tip is, is don't try and do it on your own. Mm. If you're a solopreneur or even if you're in a family business, yeah. there is someone out there that can guide and help you to reach your dream, your goal, yeah. your investment, whatever it is that you want from your business. Lovely. That sounds awesome. Thank you, Heather. Thank you. <laughs> if you've enjoyed my chat with Heather today, find out more at her website, unleashyourbusiness.com. So today from a mindfulness perspective we're talking about the art of non-judgment and this is such a key thing when it comes to doing creative work and being with our creative work without our inner judge and our inner critic overriding all of our good stuff that we've got going on. So how can we look and learn about non-judgment and think about what it means to us and how it can help us thrive in our creative practice? Now the thing about judgment of course is that we do practice judgment all the time and in some instances, in many instances, judgment is required. We need to exercise good judgment in our lives. Um, of course, you know, for example, when we're driving, we need to be uh, making good judgments about safety. When we're at work, we need to be making good judgments about what is required of us in that environment. And in our family lives as well, we, we, our lives are full of making good judgment calls on things. But when it comes to our artwork and our creativity, self-judgment can rear its head in a range of completely unhelpful ways. And our mindfulness practice can really help us to observe our own thought patterns and really identify where our inner critic is raging. So I thought I'd take you through a few of some of my thoughts and reflections on judgment and our tendency to really be hard on ourselves and hard on our creative work. So first of all, when it comes to your creative work, it's okay to not know what you're doing. Don't judge yourself too harshly for not knowing. And you might be interested, if you haven't already listened, to have a listen to episode 13 where we talk about beginner's mind, another mindfulness practice that can help us stay present and kind uh, in our own creative space. Another thought I had is that staying in our comfort zone really means that we are condemning ourselves to stay in that same space forever. Um, and it means that we're probably being far harsher on ourselves than anyone else would be. So when we're moving out of our comfort zone and into a new zone, which is part of the reason that we do creative projects, to stretch ourselves, to, to get out of that comfort zone, we need to be kind and we need to be aware that it's going to be a bit weird and feel a bit strange when we're moving out of that comfort zone. But the last thing we want to do is critique ourselves and 
make ourselves feel so terrible that we just go straight back to our safe space. So we want to be able to be uh, intentional about moving out of that safe space, but being present with what comes up, but not being too worried about it. So yes, we will be worried that, you know, we're not doing things right or this new thing that we're doing doesn't look as good as it could. But really what we want to do is just put those thoughts aside and keep moving, keep going for as long as you can, keep exploring. And also don't judge in the moment, do the work, put it aside, don't look at it for a little while. Uh, and just, you know, continue with that focus of, you know, we're moving into a new space, it's going to be a bit weird, and that's okay. My next thought is experimentation in the creative process, really valuable, but it requires us to be okay with things looking experimental. So we're testing, we're exploring, uh, this is necessary for creative growth. But when we're uncomfortable, we can look for ways to escape that feeling of discomfort. So one of the things that we could potentially do is talk ourselves out of things. So if we're feeling uncomfortable, don't critique yourself to the point where you uh, don't want to do it anymore because it's just really we've just distracted ourselves with um, being critical to avoid being in that space of discomfort. So be brave, turn up to that place of discomfort and just sit in it, just be with it and don't be too worried about the fact that it's uncomfortable and certainly try not to talk yourself out of it. This is really the path to creative growth and it's really valuable for us to be in this space. So when it comes to just observing our own thoughts, there are some thoughts that you can keep an eye out for and just be mindful when they start to occur. So they might be, am I doing this right? Does this look like it's supposed to? Am I making a fool of myself? I have no creative talent. I'm no good at this. I have no idea what I'm doing. This is hard. I don't have the time for this. Everyone else is better than me. I should try something else. This obviously isn't for me. It's not my strength. I'm wasting precious time, money and supplies. I'll never be any good. I don't know why I'm bothering with this. That doesn't look right. I can't show anyone else this stuff. I'll be so embarrassed. I'm going nowhere. I haven't made any kind of improvement. So those are the kind of thoughts that can really demonstrate to you that you're being uh, quite judgmental and that judging mind has kind of risen up and uh, your inner critic is really starting to rage. So it's good to just be aware of that. And sometimes it's actually really good to intentionally flip the script. So there are phrases that we can say to ourselves that are much kinder, that allow us to be in that space of exploration. But being, being positive and affirming that this is the pathway to creative growth. So you may like to experiment with different kinds of thoughts and phrases like these ones. I'm my own unique person and all of my creative experiments will look different to other people's. I'm not focusing on creating a finished artwork, so it doesn't matter what this looks like. This is interesting, what's going on here? I might try and explore this a little bit more. This is fun, I'm just opening up and I'm being playful. The universe is with me and it's helping me to grow as a creative person. This is a great way to loosen up and build creative stamina. I'm enjoying this because it's time out, it's me time and I get the chance to be creative. Everyone has human creativity in their DNA, I'm exploring my own take on creativity. This doesn't look good, but it doesn't look bad either. I'm gonna hold off on deciding how I feel about it. I'm just gonna do it and put it aside. I'm experimenting with new ways of working because in the long run, it'll help me to be a better artist. I'm probably making more progress than I feel like I am in this given moment. 
So those are some more positive affirmations or thoughts or um, phrases that you could have to really replace some of those more critical phrases that may start to turn up. And you can intentionally do that. And that's part of being aware of our own self-talk and do something that's a little bit different and more life-affirming, essentially, and affirming our our creative growth and the path that we kind of can take to, to grow. So I really encourage you to practice observing your thoughts and learning how to practice non-judgment to free yourself up and get more pleasure from your creative project. Rather than being your own worst critic, be your own biggest champion. So I'm delighted to have Diane Connell on the podcast today. She's a Carpety-based jewellery designer and painter. So Diane particularly enjoys using natural and found objects to make earrings, rings, necklaces and bracelets. And she enjoys the process of creating something unique from an object or piece of metal to make handmade jewellery that endures. Uh, She also paints using acrylic on beach water paper, interpreting her environment in her own unique way. Diane, welcome to the podcast. You're an artist with several talents, so you make jewellery and you paint. I do. Um, I'm really interested in the jewellery making process. You work with founder objects quite a lot and I you're do. inspired by um, the natural environment. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yep. Well, I did, a, um, I did a couple of courses in Sydney. I lived in Sydney for, um, or Australia for 11 years, Sydney for seven. And I did a jewellery design course first. Um, I've always been interested in jewellery. I used to make little FEMO things when I was, you know, 15. But then I became, like, there was nothing available at that time. I couldn't become a manufacturing jeweller because they wouldn't take girls in the workshop. Can you believe it? It's hard to even imagine that now. So I became a nurse and did all the things that you do. And then when I was in Sydney in 1990, I became, uh, sorry, in the 80s, I went to a, did a jewellery design course at Randwick. Mm. And um, then I went on to do a BA in visual arts at Ah. Sydney College of the Arts. So all the way through, even in the jewellery design one at Ramwick, which was a much more technical mm. and metal-based one, yep. I still, the whole New Zealand thing with bone was just happening in New Zealand. Oh. And my jewellery actually sat better in New Zealand, really, than it did in Australia. Interesting. Yeah. So I started doing bone things and found object stuff right at the beginning. Yeah. And I've carried that all the way through. It used to, people just used to think I was odd yeah you know like it wasn't it wasn't a thing yeah. they putting um bones next to diamonds and silver it was just like they were just my two one of my tutors used to go you just can't do yeah. this and I'm like yeah but I kind of really want to mm. whereas now it's just kind of mainstream that's yeah, just how times change I know <laughs> I wonder um I wonder if there's something in that though about just doing the things that work for you and not listening too much to other people You've got you've got to have a belief in what you yeah. what you actually want to do, yeah. and and then you've got to fight for the things that you really that are mm. really important to you, and maybe let other things go. But mm. yeah, yeah. So the found objects have always been there. Bones in Australia. I mean, you used to be able to just go and walk along the beach, and they'll be all nice and white and clean for yeah. you. Like they'd be, you know, like a whole bird carcass. It'll be all nice. Yeah, and, wow. So you know, you can, they were easy to make yeah. jewelry from. Um, and I, then I came back and did a little bit of carving. I got a grant and did that with wow. um, a couple, couple of people here. Mm. But I used to use not just natural materials, like I used to get slate from building sites mm. and I used rubber, paper, well, anything really. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So 168 Days as a program is about helping and inspiring creative people to either start their journey or continue their journey. So sure. do you have any tips for creative people that are just setting out on a creative journey and just discovering the joys of 
doing any kind of artistic stuff? What are some tips that you've yeah. got? I think what we just touched on about finding that or having that thing that you really love. Like I love, love the found objects. I love yeah. placing them next to yeah. precious metal. And I like making them, like taking something you walk on the that you just tread on and then making that into something really yeah. precious and important to someone. Yeah. I think um, you've just got to really have that faith mm. in what you do and that resolve that what you're doing is the path you want to go down because there'll always be someone there to tell mm. you that it's yeah. not going to work and it's not going to... I mean, I've been told that my whole career. And always keep everything that you do, like keep all your drawings, yes. keep all your, all your little doodles um, because I always go back. Like your style kind of is you and even though what I do changes there's that essence Mm. of something that is still me um and you can kind of see that and I go back and I look at I look at workbooks and drawings from the 1980s and I come and I could have done that yesterday it's just quite interesting so I think just that resolve having faith really Mm. in yourself and it's quite hard because You've really got to be strong to do that, like to say it's going to be okay, yeah. um, I'm, I'm going to be able to pay the mortgage, I'm going to be yeah. able to pay the rent, or yeah. um, I'll get I'll get money in mm. this time. A friend once told me when I sort of went full-time for jewellery for a while, yeah. and I was worried about the mortgage and that, and he said, you've got to have faith, and you've got to save in the good times, and you've just got to act like, you know, you don't go and spend it all, mm. and then you've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to have faith in the bad times, that the good times will be back again, yeah. and I think that's, I've walked the letterbox at the 20th of the month many a time when they used to post next to you thinking it's going to be a check there soon yeah and um yeah I think you've just got to have so you've got to have faith in yourself and and do what's is authentic to you really Mm. fantastic so we also kind of explore a lot of different uh mindfulness aspects in this course do you have a mindfulness practice at all Mm. I do I've had quite a lot of illness illness in my life, so it's very important to me to keep physically fit. Um, so I eat well, mm. and I also exercise yeah, regularly. Yeah. So I walk, mm. um, and I swim, mm, and I love swimming. So I've been fun this morning. Oh, yeah. So that's in mind, and I also meditate and listen to music. Yeah. So all those things together, kind of, and like in winter, my my sort of routine changes a bit in winter I'd swim more because okay. um, yeah. it's just you know because it's often running although I think we're going to get another nice winter yeah that's my hope um, so I swim I often I put music on and dance around the lounge Lovely. if I can't you know yeah. get out because it's yeah. just that physical I often put music on when I'm working um, what does um, meditation look like for you do you do guided meditations or you just sit and I just sit quietly yeah. I don't like I don't like being talked to yes yeah. so um and I don't really like the music yeah. one, so I just sit yeah. and I just do a, like I just kind of do an um and mm. just try and go to that third eye and block out so hard. Yeah. And just just to stop that monkey yes, brain. Just, exactly. But swimming's quite good for that too. I and agree. I often resolve um, problems with my designs and things or come up with a solution while I'm swimming. Mm. And it's, it happens when I'm meditating too, yeah. it's not meant to. <laughs> But, um, but swimming's really I, good for that. I yeah. think swimming's fantastic as well. And I wonder if it's because you can't do anything else. You, you know, you're just, you're just doing stroke after stroke. Absolutely. And, yeah. You're either counting, yeah. counting your rope. And sometimes I do a, a, like a little affirmation when I swim. Oh, nice. You know, like, um, I'm happy, loved, well, you know, all that yeah, sort of beautiful. Yeah, mm. resilient. Yeah. 
So I had a little read of your blog um, and I was really interested in the one that uh, where you were writing about your cha- changes with the seasons. So mm-hmm. um, in the warmer times you're making art and then in the cooler seasons you're um, either enjoying the, the wintry beach or you're thinking about the business side of things. So can you talk to that a little bit? What does that look sure. like for you? Um, it changed quite a little bit during lockdown. I kind of I redid my whole website over lockdown yeah. and um, and kind of went online as a shop which is a lot of artists kind of don't like but it just seemed like a really good time to do it yeah Um, absolutely and of course lockdown was the first time in years that I've actually had nothing else to do like I usually have a part-time job so I could think about that and just think about the business that's all I it was fantastic yeah I just loved it um but in winter I tend to do a lot of designing I still go to the workshop because I've um I've got a game. My workshop's my garage, and it says actually a metal garage. But I've, I, I never have a heater there. I just rug up, put my little fingerless gloves on, a big nice. woolly jumper, sometimes a hat. But it's always okay in there, mm. and um, so I do spend time there. And but that's when I kind of fiddle. Yeah, because it's nice to have something, a new range of work ready for spring. And yeah. so then I try and get it out to my outlets in that sort of September time, or have it ready for the arts trail. Nice. So it's and it's a good time to do some marketing and. Um, and just look at your database and who you or projects that you want to do the following year, yeah. like you know, leading into the year. Yeah, so it's a bit of a time of reflection, really. Lovely. And doing all those things that you kind of always put off to the end of the day, and then you're too tired, yeah. you just can't quite get there. And yeah, so yeah. doing some of those things actually during work time instead of night time yeah. actually does make quite a difference. Yeah. 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 Oh, brilliant. All right. Well, thank you, Diane. All the best. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> So I hope you've enjoyed my chat with Diane today. You can find out more about Diane and her work at her website, dianeconnell.com. Well, that's it for the episode today. I hope you've enjoyed our time together. To revisit some of the earlier episode of the podcast series, visit jordanharcourthughes.com.